Welcome to the Exchange for the Exchange podcast, where we exchange ideas about current events, pop culture, and theology. And we are on air, boys. Okay. You are live. For the record, Josh Pinnell is laughing. Nikolai Carpathia. (laughs) So gentle. Wow. I don't even know what Alex is going to say at this point. Welcome to the Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Alex Turkmani. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Daniel Lopez and Josh Pinnell. How's it going, guys? Very good. Living the dream, man. Living the dream. <laughs> as always. As always. As always. Well, boys, the Christmas season is upon us in full swing. Pertinent to the season are movies that we generally watch once a year around Christmas time. I want to know your all-time favorite Christmas movie is to the to the extent that if you don't watch it, Christmas didn't happen for you. <laughs> uh, Josh, go first. Yeah, my wife and I watched It's a Wonderful Life Sunday night. And that's it? That's, that's the one. Yeah, it was – well, I think, like, some of it is – it's just a really good movie. A part of it's also is my dad's favorite Christmas movie, so we always watch it every year. So it's a little nostalgic too. And then when they're all in the house singing "Hark the Herald Angel Sings," and Clarence gets his wings at the end, that's beautiful, man. Dude, and they like the whole town comes together, and then his brother is just like a toast to the richest man. And I'm just like, wow! It, it, mm-hmm. Once again this year, once again this year, Alex, I cried. <laughs> that's great. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't think I can do that. Oh, the building and loan. <laughs> get the kids, get the mail. <laughs> I'm something to save you. <laughs> I gotta get my wings. <laughs> Dan, what about you? I don't want to beat the dead horse, but probably Elf. Oh, boo. Hey, come on. Oh. You know what? Out of 10 people listening to this, probably 10 of them would agree with me. <laughs> Elf is quintessential Christmas movie. It, it, it is the movie that uh, transcends its time. But yeah, I knew you were going to say that one. I didn't even need you to say it. I knew you were going to say it. When it, it, Classic line. Bye, Mr. Norwal. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. That's a good one. Great, that's great. Who wrote that? I think, well, I think I'm just more of like a classic Christmas movie guy. Yeah, so like, I like It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, that's a good one, too. Oracle on 34th Street. Like, those that's are my... great one. The best Christmas movie has yet to be named, though. <laughs> Charlie Brown Christmas. That's another one on my list. No, it's a good one, but no. The, the best Christmas movie, if I don't watch it around Christmas time, Christmas has not happened. Braveheart. Christmas, Christmas <laughs> vacation. <laughs> the Patriot. <laughs> no, no, no. No, those would arguably, though you could say they don't occur around Christmas time. <laughs> Best Christmas movie, hands down, Christmas Vacation, starring Chevy Chase. Wow. Never seen it. Never seen it. <laughs> Every year I laugh. 
Yeah. He loses it. Yeah. He just loses his mind when his wife's like, Clark, let's just let everybody go home before things get worse. <laughs> and Clark's like, worse? How could they get any worse? Look around you, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. <laughs> Close second, Die Hard, which is the quintessential Christmas wow. movie. Dude, it's like, if you watch, if you watch ABC Family, every year, every year on ABC Family, they have a Harry Potter marathon. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like they justify it because, like, in some of the first episodes, they have, like, a two-minute Christmas scene. And so they just show all eight Harry Potter movies. <laughs> the, the difference between that, though, and Die Hard is Die Hard solely takes place on Christmas Day. <laughs> like, Dude, it's, well, like, it's kind of like the show 24. Yes. Yeah, so like, enough happens for the span of a year, but it's like one day. We need to write into Fox and get them to write a 24 Christmas special. That's a whole season <laughs> of terrorists trying to destroy Christmas and Jack Bauer defeating the terrorists. I want to see I want to see a whole season of 24 that happens on Christmas Day. <laughs> and I wanted to start with like Terry. This so this is before Terry dies and I wanted to start with like Terry saying, "Jack, you can't go in on Christmas." And Jack turning to her and saying something like, "Terry, the terrorists came to work on Christmas, and so do I. <laughs> terrorists don't believe in Jesus. <laughs> that has to change. No, and then and then and then it goes into and then it goes as Jack is like running away. It goes into a a parody of Mary. Did you know called Terry? Did you know Terry? <laughs> did you know that your husband would run away on Christmas? Oh, this is gold, man. You may not want to write this in. You may want to like legitimately trademark and pitch this because <laughs> this is this is screenwriting gold. All right, boys. Well, let's get to our topics. The first topic at hand: heartbeat bill. Josh, explain to us the heartbeat bill. Yeah, I think it's in Ohio. I think in Ohio. Yep. Yeah, um, a bill disallow abortions in Ohio after week six. A doctor, before he would perform an abortion, to check for a heartbeat. And if he heard one, he couldn't do it. Kasich has to, Kasich can still turn it down, but it doesn't look like he's going to. Um, Dan, let's get your reaction to this. I think it's smart. I think it's very smart. It's a way of kind of inserting a card into the deck without anybody looking in a sense. So what he's doing is, well, I can't make abortion illegal, but I can start here. It's kind of sly and the liberals hate that, but it's smart. It's very smart. That's politically speaking, religiously and morally speaking, you know, we all agreed. I, I, at least I, I think we all agreed that you don't need to hear a heartbeat for the for that thing to be a human i think it's a good starting place i'm excited to see where this could go if if it's successful um and this is not me saying oh i'm a republican so i can't wait to see what the party does i'm not i don't identify as a republican um i will say this as a person who I, who identifies with 
people who value human life, I'm really excited. Yes, abortion is murder, but it's not because we don't like it. It's because that's a human person. It's because if I went next door and cut off my neighbor's head, that's murder. And that's the same thing that abortion is. So it's not that I don't like it. It's that it's objecti- objectively morally wrong. Josh, what, what do you think, buddy? Yeah, we, we uh, I had been listening to a Christmas album uh, that day. And one of the songs I had heard was Joy to the World. And, like, immediately, like, one of the verses came into my mind where it says, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. And I think that this is an example of uh, Christ doing that. Yeah, amen. I, I was really excited. It seemed too good to be true. So from a political standpoint, you know, we live in a post-Roe v. Wade America, unfortunately. <clears throat> and to, to overturn Roe v. Wade, which I think is something that needs to be done, a lot more time and a lot more effort. From the time she realizes she's pregnant, I think six weeks is kind of pretty close. Like, it's going to be – like, some people might – slip through but it's gonna be that's gonna be really hard you have to know right away that you're pregnant which is and that's that's where i come in with it's sly it's a little bit manipulative yeah but in a good way politically speaking yeah now i'm not talking about morality i'm talking about yeah politically speaking i don't yeah feel comfortable with how sly it is morally speaking i'm really excited and one 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 more helpful thought i think would be um that our care for women in need should not stop at making a law that prevents them from having an abortion. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that, that's the, that's the groundwork. I mean, this, the rest of it, we need to be getting involved. The church needs to be involved. The church needs to know women in the community that are, that are struggling. They need to get involved. They need to know where their pregnancy resource centers are that are doing this work are. They need to be volunteering. They need to be giving money. We can't be the people that only limit abortion. We need to be the people that help women in need, which is a criticism that's been, I think, rightfully leveled against the church. Is yeah. We're always saying no to abortion, but we're never saying yes to helping them with other things. A piece of you has to die to serve other people, but not necessarily to hold a moral standard. And I think that that's why it's really hard to do both. All right, the next topic is Andy Stanley. Was it High Point Church or what's it called? North Point. <laughs> North Point. North Point. Um, so, Josh, do you want to play the clip on air and then we will dissect it and react to it? So I'm, the, I'm the only one that has not heard it yet. So my reaction will be new. This is raw, man. Raw. This is like, this is like running out into a field and biting a cow. Dude, That's how raw this is. It's you just slap a piece of cheese on there and bite it. Dude. Just nice put some ketchup on it and bite it. Dude, pickles, lettuce. Cow might be running away at this point. <laughs> That's how raw this is. <laughs> Dude, that that metaphor just—I guess it's a symbol. That thing just, that thing just took Meat off. Is murder, Josh? <laughs> okay, you want to listen to this clip? Dude, the cow yelps. <laughs> He keeps going. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to play this clip now. Hey, one of the, uh, the 
challenging things about the Christmas season and one of the challenging things about the Christmas story is, in fact, the Christmas story. The Christmas story as it relates to the birth of Jesus, because there's so much miraculous. There's so much amazing. There's so much that's really unbelievable about it. And a lot of people just don't believe it. And I understand that. And and maybe, the you know, the thought is, hey, they had to come up with some myth about the birth of Jesus to give him street cred, you know, later on. And you know, maybe that's where that came from. It's interesting because Matthew gives us a version of the birth of Christ. Luke does. But Mark and John. They don't even mention it, and a lot has been made of that. So before we jump in, I just want to say one thing about that whole thing. You know, and you've heard me say some version of this a million times, so this this will be old if you've been around for a while. But see, if somebody predict their own death and then their, their own resurrection, I'm not all that concerned about how they got into the world because the whole resurrection thing is so amazing. And in fact, you should know this, that Christianity doesn't hinge on the, true, the truth or even the stories around the birth of Jesus. It really hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. And yet as unbelievable as the birth narratives are, and as unbelievable as the accounts are that we find in, Ma- in Matthew and Luke, when you get the backstory, when you get the whole story, this unbelievable story actually becomes a remarkable story. Yeah, so then he, he continues the rest of his sermon is about Abraham and Sarah, and then the nation of Israel. That's kind of his like segue introduction into the story of Abraham. Thoughts? You want me to react? Josh, start. Oh. Josh, no, no, start. I want, no, no, no. I want Alex's bite the meat off the cow response. <laughs> it is significant. I mean, Romans 5 makes it very significant the fact that Christ was not born of Adam. It would have been better not to bring it up than to bring it up that way. The thing is, it's not necessary to his sermon. He he raises these questions in his sermon and then doesn't answer them, which kind of caters to unbelief. I, I mean, I don't know his context. I don't know his congregation. Maybe they know the answer to that. I don't know, but I would have appreciated it if, if he had answered those questions. Yeah. So, yeah, His audience is bigger than this congregation. That's true. This, this sounds more like a hom, like a homiletics argument than it does a doctrinal one. Again, I think that was just maybe a mistake on planning. The problem is, though, is that he brings it up neither to affirm nor deny it. Yeah. I mean, but in not affirming, you're also not denying. So that's where I'm trying like, that's right. where I don't have a problem with it. You can do that. You can do that in a casual conversation, but I don't think you can do that as a pastor. Right, and that's where I'm saying I feel like this is homiletical and not doctrinal. I think I think there is a doctrinal problem because he says if you can predict your own death and resurrection, I don't really care how much how you got here. But I think the Bible, I think the Bible does care. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Well, you the doctrinal issue you can walk away with is that he's saying you don't necessarily have to believe in the virgin birth to believe the gospel. Like the virgin birth isn't necessarily part of the gospel. Right, yeah. And that kind of dissolves, that kind of just like, you know what I mean? Like the balloon kind of pops at that point. You don't, if you don't have a virgin birth and if you don't have an incarnation, then you don't have a gospel. Exactly. You don't have God with us. If you don't have a virgin birth, you don't have a sinless savior. I think the issue comes more with the line, I don't care how you got here. I just care how you left. So when it comes to the point of not denying or affirming, I don't have a problem with that. He might just be setting it aside for another time, another sermon, the next sermon, whatever. As it's connected to the second part, that's where the issue is, really. You know, I don't care how you got here. Well, then then you don't really care about who Jesus is. Because he's saying, well, how you left is how you really saved us. Well, he couldn't have saved us if he wasn't flesh. 
but he couldn't have been a perfect man if he was born from Adam's flesh. The in- the incarnation is really essential. I don't know I don't know if that's if he's really going there, but that's the line that that I take issue with. Josh, you have a thought? I think Daniel summarized it well. Good thoughts, boys. Okay, let's go to the third topic. Fixer Upper. Um, you guys watch it? Yeah, I've seen about probably ten or twelve episodes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've seen all of them. You like them? You like? Also, oh, you've seen all. So yes, you do like them. It's so addicting, man. They're great. Yeah, we watch we watch a lot of HGTV. Honestly, I don't know what I don't know what happened and how that started. I had no interest in that uh, earlier in my life. Well, it didn't mean anything as a kid. You didn't care. You weren't paying bills. That wasn't your house. So there's there's been some scandal. Uh, there's been some controversy. Yeah. Uh, around Fixer Upper. Josh, do you want to unpack the controversy for us? Mm-hmm. There was a BuzzFeed article that mentioned that they don't have homosexual couples on their show. The BuzzFeed article ends up pulling a quote from the pastor of the church that the gains go to where he says something against homosexual marriage. And basically, basically the BuzzFeed article accuses the gains of uh, being of uh, discriminating uh, based upon sexual orientation, who is allowed to go on their show? Dan, let's get your uh, let's get your feedback. But why aren't there homosexual couples on the show? You know, have they turned down homosexual couples? Because that's where the issue would be. Because if this is the wedding, if this is a wedding cake scenario, then I need proof that a homosexual couple. With enough money to buy a house, has there been one that has come? And have they turned them down? And have any of those reasons been outside of the financial, you know, bubble? Then I would say that that's wrong. Should they be fined, imprisoned, taken off the air, reprimanded? I don't think think that they should be fined or imprisoned. But I do think that their business will suffer. And I don't have a problem with that. It's fine. That's part of the risk you take as a business person in a free market capitalistic environment. You're saying they're free to say no, but they shouldn't say no. Yes. It's like if a divorce, like, why does no one think about this? It's like a divorce couple who divorced only on the, on the basis that, you know, they weren't in love anymore. And they wanted something else in life. So they divorced. They didn't divorce because of adultery or abuse. There, there was no good reason for it. Technically, and I know this is a dicey conversation, but for them to remarry would be, from a Christian understanding, something that's wrong. Would I then say, well, I don't agree that you remarried, so I'm not going to sell you this house. I'm not going to help you renovate your house. I feel like it's a little bit hypocritical to then turn and say, well, I don't agree that, you know, well, I think a better I think a better illustration of it it would be like have Chip and Joanne Gaines ever done a house for an unmarried couple. Not that I know. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I don't really I I don't really pay that much attention to the marital status or the gender of the people that they have on their show. I I I just enjoy them fixing up the show. As of even as a Christian viewer, like if I see a heterosexual married couple, if I see a heterosexual unmarried couple, if I see a homosexual married couple, um, that doesn't detract from my enjoyment of watching them renovate a house. I mean, that's fine. But the question is, is should they do it? Yes. 
Yeah, so we don't know that they've turned anyone down. Exactly. But I, I, I'd like to respond by saying, well, where are the outraged people who have been turned down for being aired on this show? They're not there. Well, I've, I watched about five or six episodes, and I didn't even know that they were Christians. I just yeah. kept watching it because I – honestly, one of the reasons – one of the reasons I really enjoy the show is the relationship that they have with each other. They're very normal. They're very honest and they get along really well, which is a refreshing thing to see on TV for a married couple on, on TV, especially reality shows. There's a push of a, a, especially sexual narrative. I think LGBTQ narrative even though it's a small percentage of the population who fits into these categories uh, if you're not pushing that narrative well then we don't really want you on our on our program and since it's not doing that and since we know they're christians uh, we're going to take them down there's a there's a text in revelation that talks about um the mark of the beast it talks about those who refuse to receive his sign aren't uh, able to trade or buy or sell or anything like that. Like they can't exist in the marketplace. Basically they can't exist in our world uh, because they don't accept this world's mark. And I think that that uh, is something that we see often with this sexual narrative that's being pushed is Oh, you don't agree with homosexuality? Well, we're going to take your show off the air. I think it's going to prove how it's either going to it's either going to show us that BuzzFeed audience is effective as viewers or ineffective. And it's also going to prove if BuzzFeed actually makes a cultural difference in a mass media sense in the United States. Or whether it doesn't. Yeah, the problem with BuzzFeed's article is you have specific targeting and attack, and frankly, intolerance. Yeah, so. Christians aren't allowed. Christians aren't allowed to push a Christian idea. It's not even that. It's not yeah. even that. Christians aren't allowed to not push a secular idea. It's not about them pushing. <clears throat> they're fine pushing Christian ideas when it aligns with their idea. Yep. It's the nonconformity that yep. they don't like. And that's well the that's the troublesome bit, is mm. is if you don't conform, you're a problem, and you shouldn't have a show. Well said. Yeah, Trouble. but also I don't think it really, like I said, maybe BuzzFeed has that kind of power, but I just really don't think it does. I don't think it has to do with BuzzFeed's impact. This is what I think it has to do with. It has to do with the way conservatives react to public stances versus the way liberals react to public stances. So Starbucks comes out with a red mug. Christians are all like, let's boycott Starbucks. Okay. What would happen if, if Chick-fil-A opened on us on one Sunday, ever, all the Christians who are like, Chick-fil-A is a Christian company would, would be like, you know what? Chick-fil-A has gone too far, but is there a liberal agenda to boycott Chick-fil-A? I don't think there is. Hmm. And then at the same time, like, I I think that there's not going to be uh, necessarily a liberal agenda to stop watching the games. At the end of the day, yeah. they have an entertaining show. I think people are going to watch it. Here, I agree with what you just said, but here's a slight caveat to that. Conservatives, as in like socially conservatives, evangelicals boycott, and secularists shut things down. Mm. You know, 
when what's the name of the family that owns Chick Fil A? The Chick Fil A uh, family. It's the Duggards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like uh, Chick Fil A. Whoever owns it, when that whole thing came out, they wanted to close Chick Fil A, dude. They wanted to get it closed. Duck Dynasty A and E told Phil Robertson he cannot be on the show. Hey, but you know what? I say more power to him. You got the freedom to try and do that. I think that's the beauty of it. Let's see. Let's see what happens. It's it's uh it's censorship. But it didn't censor. You know what I'm saying? But they wanted to. Well, yeah, but it but they didn't. But yeah, conservatives have been trying to censor TV. Yep. Since TV started, it's the same now, thing, just on the other side of liber- the court. Not libertarian conservatives, pal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I, I let, agree. Uh, like conservatives are like, let us dictate what you're, what like you can watch instead of like giving the parents the responsibility, which is so contrary to like the way that conservatives apply their beliefs. It's like the it's like one of the ways in which they like go against themselves, you know. There can be reprimand on both ends. Conservatives, if you don't like something, don't participate. Liberals, if you don't like something, don't participate. But fight for the right for each of us to express ourselves the way that we want to express ourselves. And win people on an individual level over to your position. Don't shut things down. Don't close the line of communication. Anyway, guys, we've we've eaten the meat off this cow twice over, I think. It is true. It is true. We have I, just, I want another one. <laughs> I am sure that we have not heard the end of this. Mm-mm. And I'm sure that it will come back. Um but uh good discussion, boys. The cow uh the cow is dead. <laughs> follow us, follow Josh Pinnell. On Twitter at Josh Pinnell. Follow Daniel Lopez at Murakami293. <laughs> you can follow your beloved host, Alex Turkmani, at Alex the Great175. Follow the pod at The Exchange Pod on Twitter. And uh, we'd love to have more followers. Boys, I have not gotten tired of signing autographs from our last episode. <laughs> and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Oh, I got I got carpal tunnel on Tuesday. Uh, um, you you can use some icy hot in a in a band to. Uh, to oh, is that is that what you did? No, no, I I have strong wrists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, boys, time to sign off. Uh, it's been real. Uh, look forward to next week. Good night and good luck. <laughs>